This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! How are you doing, buddy? I'm really well, thank you. Um, before we get going, I, I haven't been doing many ex-player interviews for a while, uh, mostly because I had two children. But I'm, I'm trying to get back into that little uh, little series for the summer. And you're the first person I've recorded with. Whether you're episode one of this series or episode two, three, four, whatever, I just want to be show that you're the person that said... Go on, Rich. Let's give this a go. So I'm very, very grateful. No, um, honestly, the, the pleasure is mine. Um, I think it's um, very important to um, discuss um, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So I'm all for it, mate. Lovely stuff. Thank you. OK, then. So, yeah, your career isn't the easiest to research. You know, you can never <laughs> fully re- rely on Wikipedia. So there's going to be moments where you'll go, Rich, nah, that probably didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what have you so you'll be able to uh put the record straight but then we get to talk at the end about your wonderful career at the moment so to kick things off right at the beginning Cass who did you support when you were pre-football in the industry anyway and who were those childhood heroes <laughs> um yes so um as a child um I grew up with um three brothers one sister I was the youngest and um, of course, um, having three older brothers and my sister as well, who was a massive football fan, um, they were all in love with Manchester United. Um, 
simply because you know um i think growing up growing up especially where we grew up um in the neighborhood um that was quite rough um we didn't have much growing up um to see the likes of you know Andy Cole and the White York you know like leading the front line of Manchester United that was really powerful you know so um yeah that that was that was us who were Man United fans from there and it was tough for me because when you see your older brothers supporting the team even though I like certain other teams um that were closer to home um it was like okay you have no choice like you're the youngest you're going to support who we support so yeah <laughs> as a man united fan growing up yeah being 11 years old or whatever in in 1999 would have really cemented that regardless yes of course exactly you know that um treble winning season was unbelievable something that um i don't think like having that moment especially at that age i haven't had that moment ever in, in in football watching football anyway you know um obviously um, when i started to play um i had different euphoric moments but um as a fan um watching that moment um was a very very special moment especially you know in the champions league final with the comeback um with those last minute goals it was yeah it was unreal you talk about your background what does football represent from that early childhood where you know football is, is such a key escapism or act of escapism escapism when when things are tough what what part did football play for you during that time uh, that's a very very special question to me because football was everything it was literally everything um going back to what I was saying before Uh, the neighborhood where we did grow up was was very rough you know it was very rough and if i didn't have football i'll be honest i don't know where i would be today because the the crowd that I was around and kind of had to be around because if you're kind of a loner on your own then you're pretty much a target you know so um you had to form alliances and um those alliances weren't good you know it, it wasn't the right crowd so football was my escapism like you said then i could go somewhere and express myself um and just have fun with it and at that age at that young age you're not really thinking about oh like how good you are or whatever you it was just for me going somewhere to just express myself and have fun you know um let all that energy out run around the field you know and it was it was amazing and luckily enough we we did have you know quite a few um different places where we can go and play football um, yeah. especially with, with my Sunday league club um they they were really good you know at having as many training sessions a week as they could just so that um the young boys around the area could come and you know have a safe place to just come and play have fun and not be doing other stuff that we shouldn't shouldn't be if you know what i mean yeah absolutely this name that that club who were they um it's, it was called princess park yeah it was called princess park and yeah i i owe a lot of homage to them you know because they were they were there like they were there they they made sure to try and do as much as they could to make sure that um yeah like the the young lads weren't doing stuff that they they shouldn't be and 
having that football there was a great way for us to go and, you know, release our energy, which was great. Brilliant. Before we go into more football, like I said, when you research Cas Casal, there's one thing that, <laughs> that it always likes to tell us is that you were rapid as a child. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, it's, it's interesting, um, Rich, because during that period, um, as I said, I had three older brothers. Uh, my oldest brother, he's quite a way older than me, you know, so we didn't kind of grow up together because he was, he's like 10, 11 years older than me. So, um, but the two other brothers, the middle brothers, they were a little closer in age, you know, so, but they were more into athletics. And right by the same area where um, Prince's Park was, where they used to hold like training sessions and stuff, um, there was an athletics track, like literally two minutes walk from there. So, um, yeah, th those two middle brothers, they were always going to the athletics track. You know, that was their, that was their um, escapism, if you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. every um, so often, um, if I didn't have football, I'll go to the track with them. And, yeah, I must have been about maybe nine, ten years of age. And I just went to the track with them one time and, um, their their coach was like, oh, like who's this? And they're like, yeah, it's our little brother. Um, he wants to, yeah, come and run with us today. So they're like, okay, cool. So, yeah, they they put me on the track. I ran, and the coach looked at me and he's like, oh, like, do you understand how quick you are? <laughs> and at nine, ten years of age, I'm like, no, I'm I'm just running, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just sprinting. He's like, oh, you're you're actually really really quick. And <laughs> uh, I think you should join the you should join the club. And the club at the time was called um, Shaftesbury Barnet Harriers. And he was like, yeah, like you should really join this club, you know, and run with us. And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. Like all my interest is in football. I just want to play football. And he's like, oh, you can do both, you know, like you can train here one day, you can do football another day, you know, like you're young. <laughs> you, can, you can do everything any day that you like, you know what I mean? Mm. I was like, okay, cool, you know. So from there, every now and again, I would go training with them and go to the track. And yeah, I remember there was one um, like event we had uh, where different um, athletics clubs like around the country like race against each other. And um, our team at the time, like we um, had a relay team as well. And we, we just kept winning. Like we won like the locals, then like with the borough and stuff like that. Then we went to the Nationals and with the Nationals, that relay race that we, we um, won, like we broke the, um, the the record, like the country record. And that record still stands till today, you know? So it's one of those things that I really don't think about, you know, but when people mention it to me, like that's when I'm like, oh, wow, like it's actually... An amazing achievement because that record still stands, you know, till today. And yeah, so yeah, I, I was quite rapid, and obviously that helped to my football as well. Um, but moving forward, all these little like things that I'm mentioning now, it kind of um, put a kind of a hamper onto my football career, which we'll talk about um, later mm. as we, we continue. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> put it in a nutshell, yeah, I was quite quite rapid. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna wonder and ask about like the, the, what that did to your body, which we'll get to. Um, I'll be honest with you, Cass. I would be checking every summer if that record still existed. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little reminder on my phone, like every year, just to just to check if because it's about twenty four years old now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's it's amazing. <laughs> the record still stands. It's actually still there. <laughs> You know, and the more like every time when someone reminds me, like, you know, that record still there, I'm like, wow, really? You know, it's amazing. So it's, it's a great achievement. Let's go back to football. And if, if you don't mind, talk to me about your journey to, to making it to Fulham, because something that always fascinates me about talking to ex-professionals is this, not the time they make their journey sound so seamless. Yeah, it turned out it was quite good. And um, there was this coach spotted me. I started turning up and then suddenly I'm playing as a professional footballer. It's not always the case. Um, I, I give you that. But but what was your experience like? Yeah, so mine definitely wasn't the, the easiest. Um, my first... Well, um, like I said, I started off at Princess Park in that Sunday League club, and um, you would have scouts every now and again. Like when you get further in, like cups and stuff like that, because we got to a few cup finals. That's when you have scouts come and watch, and um, every now and again they'll pick up a player here or there. So I remember our under tens cup final. Um, we had a few scouts come to watch, and um, Chelsea were there, so we won that cup final. Um, Chelsea came and they spoke with my coach. Um, they spoke with my mum and they were like, yeah, like they want me to come on trial. Cool. And my mum was like, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. So I went on trial with Chelsea. Um, it was meant to be a six-week trial. Um, I got signed after two weeks. Um, everything seemed, you know, kind of surreal because you're 10 years old and you're going into like an academy and it's everything's just so it's like a bubble like once you enter there it's like a completely different world like I said you're 10 years old and you're playing on like carpet pitches like there's no bumps on the pitches where I'm used to playing in in a park where there's like big divots and holes in the pitch you know and you have a kit man that's like laying out your kit and getting everything ready for you and it's like wow like really at 10 years of age um, and when you get there, you already have a whole group of players that have been there since they were like seven, eight, you know, so they've been there for a couple of years and those players there, um, believe, especially at that young age that they belong there, you know, they don't really know anything different because they've been there from, you, you, you're, they're, they're literally babies, like seven years of age, they've been in the academy, eight, so they don't know any better, you know, so when new players come in, it's like, oh, what are you doing here? Like you don't belong here. So they do everything to try and, you know, weed you out, try and dig you out and make things difficult for you. Um, but for me, that wasn't an issue at all. You know, coming from where I came from, like knowing how to scrap, knowing how to look after yourself, it came naturally to me. It was easy. So that's why I got signed after two weeks because I didn't have any of the nonsense that the, the other boys were trying to put on me. Um, for some of the other lads that came on trial, like, week or two they were gone because they couldn't really hack it you know it's um it's more than football I always say this it's more than football like it's a mental game even from such a young age and that's what a lot of people don't realize so um yeah I got signed after two weeks um 
I was at Chelsea for for three months, three months, um, just before my eleventh birthday. Um, that's when um, it came to decisions where they'll have like a kind of meeting with all the players and say, "Oh, like how you're progressing, or if they think you're gonna, they're going to keep you on or not, or whatever." And yeah, at the, those those times there. Um, I was playing either up front or on the left wing, and I scored a number of goals, you know. And it was, I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is this is looking good, looking decent for me. So yeah, the meeting came. My mum came. I remember the meeting like yesterday. I sat me and my mum down, and I'm like, yeah, um, Cass, he's got great ability. He's really quick. Um, he's technical. Um, but the issue we have is that he's really, really small. Because something I haven't mentioned to you, um, I was a very, very late developer, you know. So I was really small at the time, really small. And they said to my mom, "Yeah, he's really, really small." And quite a few of the other lads, you know, are quite bigger than him. So sometimes, you know, when he gets into tussles and stuff, um, he could get out muscled and this and that. Um, if he doesn't get into a tussle, it's fine for him because he's quick because he can run past, you know, but um, we're just looking at um, how he's maybe going to develop physically and we're not too sure. And bear in mind, this is my first time in the academy. My mum doesn't know anything about um, this kind of stuff, you know, so we're thinking to ourselves, is this normal? We don't really know. So their end um, verdict was, yeah, we're going to have to let Casco because he's too small. I remember leaving the training ground um, that day. Uh, it was, the Chelsea training ground was in Harlington back then. I remember leaving Harlington training ground. And I didn't even feel anything. It was, it was just numb. I didn't cry. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel... I just didn't know what to feel. And I just remember my mum saying, um, ah, like don't let her, don't let it affect you, you know. Don't let it affect you. Like these people are stupid. Like how can they be <laughs> judging? <laughs> how can they be judging um, a child um, for his size at ten years of age? Mm. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's honestly, you know. So yeah, I kind of just dusted myself off and went back to my Sunday league club. Um, continued playing. Um, for about two years so obviously during that time went from primary school into um, secondary school um, in secondary school obviously playing for my school playing for the borough playing for the county and while I was playing for the county this was when I was 12 going on 13 12 going on 13 while I was playing for the county, um, I got scouted by West Ham. West Ham came. They're like, yeah, um, we want you to come on trial. Um, we think you you got what it takes. Now we need someone like you in our academy. Great. Um, the person that scouted me um, to come, um, what I didn't know, like, he was going to be sacked like literally six <laughs> weeks later. Six weeks later, you know, um, great guy. I remember him. A really, really top guy. Um, but yeah, he started me, he brought me in. Um, as soon as I got there, because 
Um, what a lot of people also don't know, which is um, most clubs back then, things have kind of changed now. Most most clubs back then, like they'll have a number of scouts. You know, it won't it wouldn't just be one. You know, so they'll have a a certain you know different scouts like to scout different areas on what's um, whatsoever, and um, yeah, they brought me in. Um, the coach of the under 13s team at the time, um, his name was Dean. Like he absolutely loved me from the get go. And I remember my first game, um, scored and I sat one. Um, the next game assisted again, you know, like it was, it was a great, great start. So within two weeks, it was like, yep, want to sign him. Um, the academy, academy manager at the time, he, yeah, was one of those ones where if he didn't have some sort of input um, to the players that were being signed, like he would always have some sort of gripe with it. And a lot of the lads at the time in the dressing room, we, we knew this. Like we knew the ones that came from um, his scout. And when I say his scout is the academy manager, he had his own favourite scouts who whenever he would bring a player in, he would adore that player. And it will be like, yeah, he'll take them under their wing and it will just be really comfortable for them. And you had the other players in the dressing room where the other scouts were that he didn't really, he wasn't really close with. If he'll, if those scouts will bring players in, it'll kind of be a thing like, okay, yeah, let's see what you have, but I'm not going to take you under my wing like my ones, if you know what I mean. Mm. So yeah, from the get go, he was just always kind of cold with me and, um, along with the other lads that weren't from his scout, just to put it in perspective, like we're twelve-year-olds, twelve, thirteen-year-olds, you know, and that's just how, you know, how dark the game can be. Like this is a, a grown man, you know, and he's in charge of basically developing the next young talents. But he already has favoritism. He has um, people that um, he he's close with, and because he's close with them. Like whoever they bring in, those are his favorites. You know, it's, it's extremely unprofessional, and this is something that um, was in our academy system for so so long, far too long, far too long. Yeah. And I've said it many many times, which that um, I think my generation, um, and when I say my generation, I say from the age of maybe nineteen eighty five, or a couple years older than me. Um, to about 1990, there, that age group there, like England missed a trick. We missed a huge, huge trick because the amount of talent that got wasted just because we had the wrong people in the academies at the time. Like, honestly, it's a joke. Yeah. Um, our England team at the moment, uh, we're, we're, we're good. I think we're, we're, we're definitely good, you know, but um, I think it's, I mean, and we have a lot of quality, 100%, but we're definitely overhyped because the only difference now is these players in our current England team, they're getting the opportunities to play in first team. You know, back then, it was completely different. Um, you had to jump through hoops to get to the first team, you know, and uh, uh, this conversation we'll, we'll get to later. But I'm mm. um, going back to, um, yeah, with, with West Ham. So with the academy uh, manager, he was just really, really cold. And it's like he was waiting to kind of get rid of the ones that didn't come through his scouts, you know. So, yeah, I spent a year at West Ham. Yeah, done my thing. 
scored quite a few goals. Um, it got to a point about halfway through the season where this academy manager was like, oh, um, you know what? Because you're you're quite small, like let's put you um, at left back. You know, you're left footed, you're quick. You know, it'll, it'll be better for you. Fine, no problem. Went to play at left back. I was there for maybe, yeah, four or five games. And then the coach himself, um, Dean, was like, no, like we want to push you further up because you score goals. You know, so it's kind of like a tug of war between the academy manager and the coach of the under-13s team, you know. Um, so I was just getting pulled back and forth, whether it would be striker, left wing, left back, just all over the place, which is, for me, to be honest, um, as a young player, was was good because I'm learning different positions. But at the same time, um, when you're fighting for a place or to be signed for the next season, it's not easy where they're constantly bringing players in and you're playing in different positions. Other players that they're bringing in are playing in those positions consistently, you know? So when you're playing in a position consistently, like it makes it easier for them to be like, okay, that's our left back. That's our left winger. That's our striker because they're playing there consistently. And I remember, um, yeah, about halfway through the season, um, they brought in um, another left-sided player, but he was like twice the size of me, you know? And again, it was the, the same thing. Um, that's when I started seeing the bench more, wasn't really playing as much. And then they got to the end of the season and it was the same story um, again, Rich, you know, um, I had the meeting and they're like, yeah, you know, like you're really technical, um, you're quick, blah, 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 but you're just, you're not as big as the other lads, you know, you're not um, physically there yet. And I, I remember thinking to myself and I looked at my mom again, and I was like, you know what, like this is getting ridiculous now, you know, um, just... 12, 13 years of age. And again, they're talking about the, the size. Like, okay, you know, that's twice. It's happened now. Fair enough. Again, went back to my Sunday league club. This time, I was 13, going on to 14. And uh, I'd done a lot of training with my brother, my brother called um, Abdul, um, who played a massive part of my career. So me and him, we've done a lot of like one-on-one training together, you know, because he was like, look, at the end of the day, if they're going to keep saying you're not big enough, let's just make you technical as like the best um, technical you can be. And also like as quick as you can be, you know, smart as you can be so you can think ahead. And as me and my brother were doing this one-on-one um, training, um, athletics came into play again, because like two times with football didn't really work out. I was basically going to athletics training like almost every day along with the football training as well. So it was taking a lot of toll on my body, a lot of toll on my body, and along with my Sunday league club as well. And then playing for my school, playing for the borough, playing for the county. Yeah. You know, overuse a lot. But when you're young, you don't really realise this. Um, but my brother, Abdul, who he was always he was always ahead thinking of things like this, you know. So he slowed our training down. It's like, look, we'll stop our, our training because you're playing a lot right now. And my brother, Abdul, he's only three years older than me. You know, but he was always so, he's always been far ahead when it comes to his thought process and things like this, you know. So um, we stopped our personal training together. But still, like I said, playing Sunday league, playing for the school, playing for the borough, playing for the county, athletics training almost every day. It was a lot. It was a lot, you know. But at that time, I didn't really realise anything. I was young, didn't really have any injuries. I was just going with the flow. So, um, yeah, when I hit, Year nine, yeah, year nine, um, 
just about to turn 14. Again, I'm playing for, for my borough. Um, a few clubs came down. Um, Watford came down. Fulham came down. And I remember um, after the game, both the Watford scout and the Fulham scout, they spoke with um, the coach of the borough team. And they were like, yeah, like we want um, Caster to come in. And the coach came and told me. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm not too sure, you know, because I still hadn't grown that much. And I was like, I've already been through this nonsense twice before with two clubs. Um, I've gone and I've been, like, quality-wise, one of the best players there. But they talk about size, you know. And being honest, I haven't really got time to, to go back and go through that process again. So I didn't go to either club. I just continued to play for um, my borough, my Sunday league club, county, continue with the athletics because I was happy, you know, so I continued doing that. Um, going into year 10 now, so 15 years of age, um, that's when the growth spurt started happening. All of a sudden, like it just, yeah, I started growing. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> started growing, you know, and um, uh, again, I'm playing for the borough. Fulham came down again and they're like, look, like, we really want him to come in now. And the same scout was like, oh, wow, bloody heck, he's grown. You know, yeah, let's get him in now. Let's get him in now. And at this um, period, it was a really, really strange time because I was going through this growth spurt. And when you're going through a growth spurt, like, a lot of things change when it comes to football, you know, like your coordination and certain things. And because I was so quick, like, sometimes I'll be running, like, faster than what I should be. And um, leaving the ball behind and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's weird to adjust to, you know? So I'm feeling like, yeah, this is the right time. Let's just bring him in. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, fair enough. I'm, I'm finally growing now. So let's just go and see um, how it ends up this time. Went to, to Fulham. I remember the first session, the first session that we'd done and coming in there. And remember, like, this was one year before you get your YTS, you know, because... This was at the end of year 10. So I went into Fulham like just as I was going into year 11. So that means like literally 15 to 16. So you're fighting for your YTS. So I literally had one year like to get my YTS. So like I said, I remember going into my first session. All these lads had been in the academy from the age yep. of yep. 10. You know, so it's literally like, what are you doing here? Like, don't try and come here and take my place that I've been in this academy for how long? You know, so it was literally that atmosphere there. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is this is frosty. But <laughs> I, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I, I thrive in it, you know. So, yeah, I remember my first session, a lot of the lads, they didn't want to pass me the ball, you know. And I was just looking, thinking, like, this is this is silly. So I had to go and take the ball myself and, like, do my thing, like, dribble, whatever, pass, shoot. And the coach at the time, Paul Clement, mm -hmm. um, he was like, after the session, he dragged me. He was like, oh, it was really brave what you done, you know? Like, well done. Like, you came in and you kind of took charge. Like, thank you. You know, so from there, um, we kind of built that, you know, well, I kind of, sorry, I kind of built that confidence. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm here. I'm here to stay. And I was growing at the time. I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, so again, it was meant to be a six-week trial. Um, after three weeks, um, they, they, they signed me. Crazy, crazily enough, literally, like, after they signed me, I started having these, like, niggling pains, like, underneath my, my kneecap. Yeah. I was like, ah, like, what is this, you know? Um, and when you're new, when you just sign, I didn't want to say anything. 
didn't want to say anything, you know, so continued playing. And the next couple of games, like, didn't play so well. And then that's when all the other lads, you know, with the banner, ah, oh, you're signed now, so uh, yeah, you're just taking it easy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, oh, you know what, I need to say something. So I went to the physio and um, I spoke with him. I was like, look, like I'm having this pain under my knee. So he fell under my knee and immediately he was like, oh, you have um, Oscar Slatters. I had the same. I had the same. the same. There you go, Rich, so you know. He's like, yeah, you have Oscar Slatters because you're growing and you're growing really, really fast. You know, so he, he said, he was honest to me. He's like, this could be an issue, you know, because like it's something where you can't just kind of mask it. Like you can't take, obviously you can't take any like painkillers or injections for it. You're too young for that. You know, it's this, it's not that kind of party, you know, you just got to kind of figure out a way how to maintain it and see how, how we can get you on the field. I remember Paul um, came in, Paul Clement came in along with the academy manager at the time and um, the physio explained to them and they were like, oh, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a pickle because, you know, you've only got a couple of months like, to prove yourself for your YTS. And I remember saying to Paul, um, to Paul Clement, the academy manager, I was like, look, like, I'm up for the task. Like, I'm here now. So we've got to do what we've got to do. And it pretty much came to the point which where even though we were training three times a week and playing on the weekends, but I was training once a week and playing on the weekends, you know, but because like I was that far ahead, the ability was there and they had enough trust in me. They're like, okay, um, train once in a week, play on the weekends. Cause every time I did play on the weekend, I would either score or assist like consistently, you know? So luckily enough, like the ability was there for me to be doing that on weekends. Cause they gave that trust in me, you know? And, but with that came a lot of, um, I don't know, negativity from, from some teammates. You know, they're thinking, hold on, like, how can he just be training once a week while he gets to play on weekends? And when you're that age, you, uh, a lot of boys, they don't really understand, you know. Um, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do about that. You know, we were just trying to get the best um, of what I can do with having um, that sort of, um, you know, issue. It's a, it's a growing pain, you know, because I was growing. But yeah, um, after five, six months of doing that, um, consistently training once a week playing on a weekend yeah I, I managed to, to bag myself for YTS again I remember that day like yesterday and they, brought me in, they brought me into the office and it was yeah till this day still one of the, the best days of my life you know when they're like look we're, we're going to give you a YTS um, this is basically the start of your career um, you're going to have two years here like prove yourself and like if you prove yourself you're going to make it as a professional footballer that's all I ever wanted. I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's really, really starting here. And yeah, the end of the season came. Um, everybody went on holiday. Um, and then July, obviously, when preseason came, that was marked on everyone's calendar, you know, get back to preseason flying. So during that little break, it was again um, quite tough because um, I just, I think by then, like the pain was starting to kind of ease with the Oscar's letters. Mm. Um, but with that, because so much happened during that season, playing like with that, um, not being able to kind of um, do um, the gym sessions um, to kind of strengthen the body because I could only train once a week. Going into that preseason, 
um, I didn't do what I couldn't do as much as I wanted to. Because like I said, me and my brother would would always do our own like training together, you know, to get me popular. You know, we didn't didn't have a chance to do that, you know, because I had to maintain my knee. So, yeah, coming into that preseason, when you're actually there, you know, and you're, everything becomes real then because you're no longer with the academy, you're gone from the academy, even though you're still an academy player, but you're a first-team prospect. That's when you actually become a first-team prospect. You're not, you're not a child anymore. Mm. You know, you're in the same hallways with all the first-team players. You know, everything becomes real, you know. And, um, yeah, I remember coming in pre-season that first day and um, just looking at, obviously, Lewis Bormorte, Steve Malbronk, Papa Buba Diop, um, Edwin Van der Sar, you know, I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, like, this is, like, where I want to be. And I always looked at Lewis Bormorte as that's that's got to be, like, my position because at that, at that point, I was predominantly playing, like, left wing for Fulham. But like, yeah, he, he's the club captain, like, that's where I want to be. Like, one day I want to take his shoes. You know, so I, I was always confident in myself. I was like, yeah, like this is this is what I'm going to do. That was my plan. But unfortunately, plans don't always go to plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, no, they don't do they? I mean, that was, I, mean, I think you've got my my interviewer technique, uh, Masters, because I just let you guys fly. You know, that people don't want to listen to me talk. They want to listen to you. And that was an absolute <laughs> fascinating uh, insight into the whole journey to, to YTS. And I think what screams out there is resilience, because there's so many points during your junior career where you think to yourself, that's where I would go. Oh, that's that's where I would just go. Do you know what? I like playing with my mates. You know, let's let's just leave it at this. But you just keep on going. You've got you get a hurdle, you go for it, and and, and fair play to yourself. Then what was even better is you pretty much answered all of my questions, other than whose boots did you clean. So well done on that front. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. Uh, honestly, yeah, it is. It, it took a lot of um, resilience, a lot of persistence. You know, and um, yeah. And to to answer your question. Um, I was in charge of cleaning Lewis Bormorty's boots. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> I saw him play for Arsenal back in the day. I definitely yeah. saw him play for Arsenal. He was, yeah. And he's, he's, he's become quite a, quite a decent coach as well. Yeah, he is. They're, they're doing fantastic at Fulham right now, you know? You know, so it's um it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So, yeah, um, continuing. Um, going into that um, pre-season, um, I was getting over the knee issue. I was like, yep, uh, it's time to basically hit the ground running. Um, I remember the first week of training, everyone together. Um, it was brilliant. It was fantastic. Um, I felt good. Um, and then it got to a point where we always, we split the group. So um, the first team and the reserves um, will go um, somewhere. And then the 18s and say a couple of players from the reserves um, will go somewhere else. You know, that's how they'll split it. And the first team were going to Austria that year. And I remember being so excited. I was like, yep, I'm going to make sure I'm on that plane. Like going with the first team and the um, reserves to to Austria. And yeah, that next week, I just started 
feeling like pain in, in my ankle. Like, what is this now? Like, I've literally just got over my knee issue. Yeah. Like, what's going on now? And every time I strike the ball, because obviously I'm a lefty, and every time I strike the ball, like, I'll feel like a sharp pain, like in, like, my ankle Achilles area. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And I remember this was just a couple of days before um, going to, to Austria. And they, they put the list. And my name was on the list going with the first team to Austria and the reserves. I was over the moon. Um, but again, spoke with the, the physio um, and they took me for a scan. They took me for a scan and what they found was there was a piece of floating bone, like yeah. lodged. Yeah, lodged, like just like in between like my, my ankle and my Achilles. And that was causing all the pain because it was, you know, rubbing against it. And... I was thinking to myself, you can't, you can't write this stuff. Like, how is there a piece of floating bone, like, just there, my ankle, you know? And, again, I remember um, Paul coming, and Paul, he basically looked at me and was like, honestly, I, he, he just felt sorry for me. He was like, you know, it's just, you know, you, you can't write this, you know? So, yeah, I had to have surgery. I had to have surgery, and obviously couldn't go on the, the Austria trip. So that surgery there... That basically took me out for the whole of um, my first year scholarship, literally the whole season, yeah. for the whole season, you know. And um, it was one of those ones where, again, you can either, you know, continue beating yourself up about it and being angry about it, but at the same time, like it's not gonna take you anywhere. So I just stayed positive. I was like, okay, got another year to prove myself. Um, let me just try and get myself fit um, as quickly as possible so I can smash the second year completely, you know. And I remember it was around April, May times. So it was coming towards the end of the season. And that's when, like, I was, you know, like, rehab was picking up. Um, I was starting to, you know, run, uh, first um, jog, and I was starting to run, then sprint, then ball work came in things were starting to pick up. I was like, yes, you know what? This is the right time, you know, and I can do some training over the break. So by the time pre-season comes for my second year, I can, I can go and fly in. And that's exactly what happened. You know, um, over the break, me and my brother, um, we, we done our training, you know, and um, I was absolutely flying in, in um, pre-season. Got back to pre-season, literally completely flying. And it was a bit of a shock especially um, for, for Chris Coleman as well. Chris Coleman was the manager at the time. And um, he obviously knew of me, um, but he didn't really, he, could, he didn't see me play because that whole first season, you know, he didn't see me play at all, you know. And normally um, the, the way they'll do things, it was Steve Keane, who was assistant at the time. Steve Keane would always come and watch the academy play or come and watch the reserves play. Um, Chris Coleman, um, being honest, like he, he, he didn't really, he wasn't really interested in coming to watch the academy play. You know, he wasn't really interested in watching the reserves. He'll come every now and again. But Steve Keane, no matter what, he'll always come and watch, you know. So he knew the young players. He understood, you know. And we also had um, Paul Nevin at the time who... Um, England was, now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul yeah. Nevin at the time, who was the reserve team coach, you know. And he was fantastic. He was brilliant, you know. So he would always, like, be in the air, you know, of... Steve Keane and Chris Coleman, you know, you've got this young player, he's doing this, he's doing that, you know. Paul Nevin was brilliant at that. But as soon as 
who went into the second year um, of my scholarship, Paul Nevin left. He left. And Billy McKinley and Ray Lewington came in as a partnership, as a pair. And they were basically um, co-managers of the reserve team. Cool. So, yeah, like I said, pre-season's here now. Again, the Austria trip comes. I come in absolutely flying. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with the first team. So I go with the first team to Austria, playing friendlies over there with the first team, absolutely smashing it, you know. And it's one of those ones where I'm thinking to myself, like, is this really happening? Because I've literally just had a whole year out. And now um, I'm basically where I wanted to be last year, but it's actually happening now. And, um, yeah, I was literally with the first team the whole time, not even with the reserves, you know. So, um Chris Coleman would always, you know, come give me feedback and be like, yeah, like just keep going, lad, keep going. Like you're you're doing your thing, just keep going. And Steve Keane was always there, was like, yep, proud of you. Like I always knew, like you had the talent. Like you were just unlucky last year with the injury, but now you're here. Make sure you make the most of it. Like, yeah. Um we're coming to um to towards the start of the season now. And obviously at this period, at this time, I'm still playing left wing. You know, and it's um, pretty much impossible for an academy player to come and take the position of the club captain. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so I was never going to see um, start. I was never going to start. I was never going to start. You know, and we obviously had um, Steve Melbronk um, on the other wing. And um, that was, we. It, it was always a confirmed start on 11, you know, with um, Lewis Balmorte on the left. Um, Steve Malbonk on the right, Papa Buba Diop and um, Legwinski, Silver Legwinski in the midfield. Always, that was the starting lineup, you know. And um, the forwards, they were mix and match every every time, whether it was Ryan McBride or Collins John. Um, Andy Cole came in at that time, so it was Andy Cole, you know, so which was amazing for me, you know, my childhood hero, mm. which is something we can talk about later again, you know. So it was, that was always the starting lineup, you know, for the forwards anyway. Um, but yeah, I was on the bench for um, all the preseason games, like coming towards the, um, the start of the season. Um, start of the season came, um, first match um, was on the bench, and I was like, okay, like this is this is getting real now. And at this moment in time, this was maybe two weeks before. Yeah, two weeks before, I was told um, by Chris Coleman, "Yep, you're going to be on the bench." Blah blah blah, and that's when. Um, I signed my my pro contract literally two weeks before the season. Signed my pro contract with Fulham, and again one of the best moments like I've I've had in my life. You know, it was just a surreal moment. Everything happened so so quick, and I think the reason why everything happened so late was because you know nobody. It's like they didn't know about me the first season because I I didn't have any chance to prove myself. You know, so when the second season came and like free season, I just kind of blasted through it. They're like, whoa, like. How has this happened? You know, so they're like, oh, let's just wait, wait, just to see if he continues. And there's no like issues with his injury or recurring or whatever. And no, I just kept flying and flying. So yeah, they're like, yep, here's your pro contract, boom. And yeah, that was a definitely a life changing moment. So yeah, two weeks before um, the first um, match of the season, um, we're coming towards the first match of the season now, and um, Steve Keen. Um, calls me and he's like, oh, um, you know what, Cass? Um, I think for the first couple of games, we're just going to go with 
all experience. We're going to put, you know, like tried and tested players, obviously starting and on the bench, just for the first couple of games, you know, because um, that um, previous season before, literally we were game away from getting relegated. You know, if we didn't win that game on the last game of the season, like we would have got relegated. You know, so going into this new season, they just wanted to start strong with experience, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay, fair enough, you know, I'll stay patient. So those first couple of um, weeks of the season, um, just playing with the reserves. Um, at that time, I was, yeah, top goal scorer of the reserves after the first month. Um, going into the next month, um, we had... Um, uh, basically the Worthington Cup so that's the Carlin Cup now right yeah the Worthington Cup yeah Worthington Cup yeah the Worthington Cup match and that was against Ipswich and yeah they put me on the the bench for that it was like great you know and the day of that match I remember we were travelling up to Portman Road and then Chris Coleman was like oh you know what you're actually going to start tonight like Jesus okay cool you know so um, started that match and scored at Portman Road, you know, and it was a surreal moment. After that match, we won that match um, 2-0. After that match, that was a midweek match. The weekend came. Um, again, wasn't involved um, for the for the weekend match. They're like, you know what? We're going to go with experience again for the Premier League. No problem. Went back with the reserves that next week. That match I played for the reserves in that next week, that's where everything changed because... During that match, that's when I basically tore my thigh muscle in half. It literally ripped in half. Yes, in half. You know, so I remember sprinting down the wing during that match. The guy I was playing against, he basically pulled me back the other way. Um, body was going two different ways. And yeah, my thigh muscle just, it, I just felt a pop, a huge pop. And it was one of those ones where because of the adrenaline, I didn't really feel anything. So I just sat down. Um, I remember the the physios and the doctor ran on the pitch. Um, doctor looked at my leg and I could tell by his face already that something was really, really wrong. Like, really, really wrong. You know, so, yeah, it took me inside and they're like, look, we need to get you to a surgeon immediately. So, took me to the surgeon now and the first surgeon we saw, like, he was very blatant. He's like, look, you know what? Like, with this kind of injury, you're not going to play again. And I remember hearing those words and I was... 18, literally, like, 18. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I've just started my career. I've just played my first first team game. You know, there's no way you're going to tell me that I'm not playing again. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to be honest. And this is a while back ago, you know, so it's not like today where we have so many new um, equipments and stuff like that, you know, that can change things. A lot has changed, you know, today, but this is a good, I'm talking maybe at least 15 Yes, 17, 18, 19 years. It's a, it's a while ago, you know. So um, they didn't have those um, or the certain equipment and stuff that, that, that we have today, you know. So I remember, yeah, going away from that surgeon. I was like, look, take me to another surgeon because there's no way you can tell me that I'm not going to play again. So um, there's a specialist surgeon that they had uh, in Belgium. Um, so I went to go see him and he was like, oh, okay, like this is a... I'll be honest, this is a really, really bad injury. And it's actually a career-ending injury. But um, there's a way this can work. Um, rather than stapling like the muscle back together, um, we're not going to do that. 
because if we do do that, there's a huge possibility that it's just going to rip again. It's just going to tear again. So he said, what we're going to do is just leave your leg. Just leave it to heal. Like the muscle will, it will come back naturally. You know, he said, it's not going to look, it's going to look a little, a little strange. You're going to have like a little divot like in your leg. But with time, hopefully, like you should gain the power back. And I was like, okay, <laughs> if, if you're saying that this is an opportunity for me to continue playing, then I'll do whatever I need to do, you know, and that's what I did. So I just let it heal naturally. We didn't do any surgery in it. And um, with time, it took about 14 months um, for me to, you know, start walking again. Um, after 14 months, um, that's when we started, you know, getting on, walking on the treadmill, treadmill and stuff like that. And um, obviously started jogging and progressing more and more. And during this time, obviously, like so much is changing because this is, I'm talking about 14 months here, you know, so different players are coming in and out the door. Yeah. Um, people are questioning whether um, Chris Coleman is, should stay or not. Like so many things is is happening. Like a number of times, um, they're like, "Oh, this manager's coming, or that manager's coming," you know. So a, a lot of things were happening at the time. Um, but yeah, going back to myself, um, it it was a very very difficult time, a very very difficult time because you kind of feel alone, especially when you've got yourself to a point where you're like, "Okay." Yeah, I've worked so hard for this. I'm and I'm I'm actually there now. I'm there now. You know, I'm with the first team. Like I've just played um like a first team game. Like I'm 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 getting there. I'm actually getting there now. You know, but um yeah, it just it was a very, very difficult time. Like 14 months, like you're sitting there and you're just watching every day, you're looking at the um the physio room window, you're looking at your teammates going out training and you know, the banter having fun and whatever. And this is what a lot of people don't realize, this this side of football, you know, like especially at such a young age, you know, players um, as young men and women go through so much and people don't really, really understand that. Yeah. But as, as I said before, like I've always been very resilient, you know, and because of my upbringing, I've been resilient, I've been tough. And even though it was a tough time for me, I always found a way to be like, you know what? There's an end goal. I'm going to make sure I get through this. I'm going to come back stronger. So after those 14 months, when I did start um, walking, start jogging, start running, start dribbling with the ball, stuff like that, um, it definitely wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't the same. Um, I wasn't as quick. I wasn't as sharp. Um, things just wasn't functioning like the same way like they used to, you know, as smoothly. Um, physically wise and it just wasn't it just wasn't the same bit of room here though for Twine who took it on it's genius the extraordinary is becoming the ordinary for Scott Twine a rising star in the lower leagues and his star is shining brightly tonight well it does not get better than that striking a ball look at as soon as he gets the ball one thing in his mind I'll tell you what he didn't let the disappointment of an earlier opportunity get to him took on the challenge and that 
is unbelievably good. From, from Fulham, obviously, you know, it, it, it doesn't work out in Fulham despite all that work and that re- recuperation. And you kind of go on this sort of magic tour now, don't you? And yeah, yeah. so, despite all this about your injuries, and you know, you've got a, you've got an agent or an advisor, or what have you, that's that's looking for you to continue your career. And at this stage, most people your age go in if they go into the USA. They go into the collegiate yeah. circuit and they're going to go and play and get an education. And, you know, whether they play after that college career, it, it's neither here or there. Some continue and some find great jobs because they've been given a, a scholarship. But mm. you end up one of the most successful MLS franchises at that time there had ever been. So, yeah. so how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it pretty much um, follows on from what I was saying about um, obviously just coming back from that injury, you know, it wasn't the same. And I remember my, my agent at the time, who was, yeah, absolute embarrassment, absolute joke. Um, he was basically looking at me as in like, oh, what do you want to be next? Yeah. I'm like, hold on, like, I'm 18, 19 years of age, like, this is meant to be your job. Like, <laughs> you tell me, like, what's the next step? You know, so again, going back to my brother, Abdul, He's always been, you know, just on job. He was like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to like send like videos and stuff of um, your games that you played to certain clubs or whatever. And he asked me, he said, like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Because um, like I, when I was playing and stuff, like my brother would always have people like come up to him and say, oh, who's representing your brother? Or does he want to play over here? Does he want to play over there? Blah, blah, blah. And um, my brother, like he said, he was only three years older than me. So at the time, he was like 21 years of age. He was, he was still a kid himself, you know. But he was like, okay, um, what I'll do, I'll just like put videos of you together and I'll um, speak with different clubs and um, send it to them and let's let's see what happens, you know. So um, my brother sent a few videos to um, a couple of clubs in, in Europe. Then he asked me, he said, oh, like, what do you want to do? Like, where where do you want to play? Like, you feel like you want to drop down into the league or, like, what do you want to do? And I said to my brother, I said, look, like, right now, I'm nowhere near, like, as sharp, like, as I used to be. I can feel it. I'm going to be honest with you, you know? And I'm not stupid. I need to be smart here because, number one, like, physically, this injury is taking a toll on my body, but more importantly, mentally, like, the injury, like, it took, like a, a massive toll, you know? So um, I said, I, I want to try something different, you know, because dropping down into the leagues right now, like it's just going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a complete dogfight. And I just want to get away right now. I want to actually want to go abroad, you know? And my agent at the time, like he, it was like, I was speaking a, a different language. Like, oh, abroad? <laughs> abroad? Really? I was like, yeah, like I want to do something different. And that's how it was like back before, like young players coming through academies, like no one would want to go abroad. No one wanted to, no. you know? So it's funny when I see people like, um, when I hear about people like Sancho and stuff, when they say, oh, Sancho was brave to, to go abroad and stuff. I was like, I was doing this like 10 years ago, 10 years before. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they didn't know, you know, it was, un- it was under the radar, you know? So um, yeah. 
from those videos that my brother sent out, like got ridiculous amounts of people like trying to bring me to the to their club. So um we had like um AZ Alkmaar in Holland, um also Fire Nord in Holland, we had um um what do you call it? Um Hertha Berlin in, in Germany, um we had Bari in Italy, um there were so many different clubs. And then I remember um Clint Dempsey, he signed for Fulham. And this was around the time where I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And um, Clint Dempsey, obviously, um, he had ties with MLS and Brian McBride, obviously, who was at the club at the time, um, had ties with the MLS. So every now and again, you have like their agents and stuff like floating about the club or whatever. And I remember... Um, my brother, or well, one of them spoke to my brother and he was like, oh, like, would your would Cass be interested in coming over to America? So my brother told me about it and I was like, first and foremost, I was like, mm, like did I actually play proper football over there? You know, it was like, yeah, like, you know, they got a league over there and it's, you know, it's small at the moment, but it's starting to grow. And this was before um, David Beckham had gone there. You know, so I was like, you know what? maybe this can be a good move for now, you know, because um, it seems more chill. Um, they look after their players over there properly, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I said, okay, let's let's speak with um, this agent. So I spoke with him now and he basically gave me the whole rundown. And he said, look, like um, DC United, like really, really want you. Um, like they're the champions of um, America. Um like they they run things properly over there, and it's a place where you can go, you know, like rebuild yourself. Like because right now you just had a huge huge injury, you know, you're still trying to find your feet. Like just go over there for, you know, maybe like a season or two and just build your career back up. Just have a think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like cool. So yeah, had a think about it for um, about a week or so. Um, spoke with um. My brother deeply about it, and we're like, okay, yeah, like let's 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 try it and see. So yeah, that's how that all materialized, and yeah, all of a sudden I was I was over in the states in Washington D.C. You know, so it's um it's crazy how it came together, but it happened for a reason, and it happened because I just wanted something different. You know, I needed at the time I needed something different, um, not just physically but mentally. So that's how I ended up at D.C. Yeah, the USA can be quite good for just getting the intensity of European football out the way. You know, the the, the absolute elite European footballers who have played in MLS, MLS have always said, you know, they can walk the streets. You know, is that from that side of things? And and like you also said, you can recoup, you can regroup, regather your thoughts, and and use it as a as a launch pad to go again because you play a few games and I think when I've been doing my research about your career I think what's really this conversation is is connecting the dots is that one minute you're playing 90 minutes and the next week you're not then you're not playing for a few games and and I think that's that's really 
showing now and you you've explained why that is but it's tough isn't it i mean dc united they they utilize you a few times i mean i think you provide an assist on your debut you win a penalty in one of your games as well you play against a decent standard you play against landon donovan for the the galaxy kobe jones jesse march for for the premier league followers you play against and even our very own stefani miglaranzi when you play against columbus crew so i mean was was it was it always going to be short term? Do you think DC United? Yeah, yeah with that it was just to to kind of you know go somewhere where I can actually just be more relaxed, chill. Um, one of the major points um, that I didn't even um, put across was that um, with this injury that I had, um, that was always an issue, you know, um, for medicals, you know, because that kind of injury, like a lot of clubs, like they were like, mm, you know, that's the kind of thing they don't want to go in it. And if 100%, like, it affected my, my performance, and, you know, I couldn't play every game. I couldn't train all the time. Like, they had to kind of manage me, you know, and in an environment where even though it is very relaxed and it's very chill at the same time, like, it's very different, as in they have um, a, a roster, and in the roster, um, they have to provide the budget between that whole roster of players. That's right. They yeah. get a certain budget and within that budget that has to go between all the certain players. And because they'll pay they'll pay me like quite a lot, like a lot, you know, especially for my age. And it was difficult because the manager wanted to play me, but I couldn't play every week because of the injury that I had. So it was just like a, a weird, weird situation. He, he was like, ah, oh, this is annoying because, like, you're, you've come in as a young player and, like, you can slot straight into to the team. But, like, if you can't play every week, it's not fair if I play you every time you're ready to play. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was a, a very, yeah, it was, a, it was an awkward situation for, for the coach. Um, his name was Tommy Sohn. Like, great guy, Tommy Sohn, you know, and he... You know, as soon as I got there, it was like, yep, like you're exactly what, what, what we need. And that's why you, um, you see, like, um, literally a, my, my first game was like, yep, I'm going to bring you in um, in the second half. And from there, that's where you're going to start, you know, like putting your stamp on things. And that's what happened. He brought me in as soon as I came on, literally five minutes later, I um, got an assist, you know, and it, it from there, I was like, yep, I'm going to kick on. But. Men, like my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this. But if your body's not with you, there's nothing you can do about it, you know. And mm-hmm. it was a very, very difficult time again because I'm like, this is my time to kind of, you know, like hit the ground running again. But my body's just not letting me, and it's very, very frustrating because from the outside, people don't know this, and they just think, ah, oh, you know, why has he gone over there? Why is he not playing? Why is he only? playing here and not playing there, but they don't understand, like, literally, I'm playing, like, half injured. It's very difficult to take because I know what I can give. Same way at Fulham, where I was like, yeah, like, I'm literally going to come and take Bournemouth's spot. This is what I'm going to do, you know, but injuries after injuries, same again at DC. The injury was just, it was difficult, you know, and it got to a point where um, I was like, you know what? I'm not too sure like how this is going to kind of configure because even though 
the manager um, wanted me to play every week. I couldn't play every week. And it was a difficult situation because the manager was like, look, I want to keep you here until we get you um, as fit as possible. But at the same time, um, the you, you have the directors, you have people above him that are like, you've got this player and he's earning a lot of money, but you can't get him on the pitch every week. You know, so it was a difficult situation. It's a very, very difficult situation. So yeah. it got to the point where it was like, you know what? Um, a mutual decision, like, I knew I couldn't get on the pitch every week. Um, the manager wanted me on the pitch every week, but couldn't get me on the pitch every week. The directors above him were like, look, like, this is our money. Like, we need to have players that we can get on the pitch every single week. You know, so that's why about halfway through the season, I was like, yeah, we've got to come to an, an agreement here. And that's why I was like, you know what? You know, mentally, like, even though on the pitch, um, it was difficult. Off the pitch, like, it was it was great for me. Like, being in a completely different environment, you know, um, different scene, very laid back, very chill. You know, the fans that come to the stadium, they're literally coming just to just to have a party. You know, it's not like it, it's not like in Europe where literally the, the fans are, you know, they're coming because they want to see their team win. They want to see their team, you know, like over there, like three, four hours before the game, home matches, you have tailgating mm. in the car park doing barbecues and stuff. That's like, right. Yeah. 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 I, I saw um New England Revolution play Chicago in about 2005 and it was very much that like the, the football was almost secondary um, <laughs> to, to what and Kim Dempsey actually played that game uh, funnily enough so yeah it was uh, a yeah, that's interesting uh, so next up was the Dutch second tier with Camber um, I think Yuri Kulhoff brings you down there and you do get plenty of minutes here and again especially at the start where you are playing week in week out and then there's just those gaps again Yes, yes. So again, yeah. After I'm um, leaving DC, I I was like, you know what? I just, let me just take a little break here. Like, let me have um a couple of months, um, just to chill, you know. But um, immediately as people heard I left DC, I was getting phone calls again. Do you want to come here? Do you want to come there? Uh, it was a difficult one, and I'll have clubs calling my brother. Like, I'm talking about big clubs here, you know, like top tier clubs. And they'll be asking, oh, what's the situation with his injury? And then my brother would tell them and they'd be like, ah, you know, we can't take that risk. There's no point. He's going to fail medical. All these kind of things, you know, and it was, um, it was a very, very strange one. But yeah, for a couple of months, I just wanted to chill. And then um, out of nowhere, um, we get a call from Genk, Genk in, in Belgium. And the sporting director is like, look, like we, we want we want to bring your brother in. Like we, we we heard about his injuries, you know, but let's just see. Bring him on trial, um, have a chat with him, see if he wants to come. So my brother told me, and this was after maybe two months of me just, you know, relaxing, like not really doing anything. And my brother's like, look, like this is gank. You know what I mean? They they're in the Champions League. You know, like you need to like think about this properly. And as soon as he told me, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it." Yeah. My brother, he spoke with the sporting director. He's like, "Look, um, yeah, give him two weeks and he'll come out there." He's like, "No problem." So yeah, two weeks of um, <laughs> intense training. Um, even though, um, again, at that time, 
the leg it was it was getting stronger you know especially because i was i had a, some time to kind of like rest you know it was it, it was getting stronger it was getting strong because even though i was resting i was still you know going to the gym and stuff like that you know so i was getting the leg stronger especially in the gym so yeah about two and a half weeks later went over to genk now and um they're like yeah um all we want you to do is um have a training session with the team and then you're going to have one trial match and then we'll we'll see from there cool i remember <laughs> i walked into the changing room i see a young um tibo kotwa sitting there and then i see um a young kevin de bruyne sitting there I'm like jesus christ like who are these kids because at this time they were probably about maybe 18 17 18 years of age you know and i didn't know like who these kids were you know and they were all over the news like ah oh, tibo kotwa he's um going to get signed to chelsea or to arsenal or this uh, kevin de bruyne is going to get signed to this club to that club i'm thinking whoa like these kids like are making waves like around the world already you know so yeah um the training session absolutely smashed the training session um the sporting director and the coach they were shocked they're like oh what like he hasn't been doing anything for like a month and he's come and he's, he's doing this and my brother was like yeah you know it's it's not really when it comes to ability and stuff it's never been an issue for my brother it's just his injuries you know so the match was the next day um played the match um started off um at left back um yeah was absolutely solid then they pushed me up to left wing um made an assist um we won that um friendly match all quality you're good after the match now um spoke with the coach the sporting director and they're like yep yeah, we want to sign you um next is um medical and as soon as you said that word you know when you feel like your gut you know you you feel like your gut drop and i was like okay cool but i was just hoping there wouldn't be an issue you know so yeah went for for the medical now um with their doctors and they done a load of tests and whatever and they tested the strength of my leg they looked at the muscle they looked at the tear and everything and yeah failed the medical failed the medical you know um one of the toughest till now you know as many many years ago one of the toughest moments of my life you know but it's just one of those things you know like what can you do um, i've done everything i could do on the pitch but if you fail a medical you fail a medical you know and i remember um, the sporting director at the time like his, his face like he was he was so distraught and that for me that gave me that gave me a lot of um that gave me a lift you know what i mean that gave me a lift seeing his face and then the coach spoke with me at the time and he i remember he like he patted me on the head and he actually gave me a hug he's like look like you're you're a fantastic player you know but unfortunately that's the situation you know like if you fail medical you you, you can't sign you you know he's like just keep your head up you know can continue and um we'll see maybe we'll we'll meet again you know i remember those words so maybe we'll meet again so yeah that was a story with gang that nobody knows about you're the first person um that um uh, knows about the yeah, story yeah it's an exclusive it's about time <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's a that's a 
that was the story of Genk, and it it it's, it was at the mo at that time it was very very tough. It was very very sad. But when I look back on it now, um, I always I look at it with more positivity and happiness because I'm like, I went there. I went to that kind of club, a Champions League club at the time that had the likes of these world stars like Thibaut Courtois, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, and I was basically yeah, parring with them. Like it was normal, like literally casual, you know. And the only reason why I couldn't sign because I failed medical. You know, so yeah. Um from there, um, that's when um the club in Holland um called my brother and they were like, Look, like we know obviously your brother's struggling um with his injury or whatever, but don't worry, like bring him here, it'll be fine. And I said to my brother, I said, Look, I've just felt a medical here. There's no point. There's actually no point. You know, but um it was like, look, my brother was like, look, just just go there. You know, you're you're fit right now, you've just come from gang, just go there and just just see. You know, so yeah, so I went there, and I'm to Cambo Lewadden. Um, a very like um it's like a a family club, you know, um, in an area of Holland that's um very remote. Like it's not really in the city. There's, it's not really um, that kind of um, exciting place. It's very, very quiet, you know. But the, the the fans are fantastic there. They're great, you know. It's a very like it's a family club. You know what I mean? So yeah, I got there. Um, the sporting director was like, "Yep, I heard what happened that game." Um, you know, but you know, you never know what can happen here. So um, just train with the team. Um, let's see that you're you're okay, and we'll take it from there. I was like, okay, cool, whatever, you know. So, trained with the team that day. Um, smooth, got on well with the guys. Fantastic guys, you know, and um, very easy because you know D- Dutch people speak fantastic English, you know. So it was very very easy to um get on with the guys, and um, yeah, they're like, you know what, you don't even need to to play a match. Um, let's just get you in with the doctor and let's see. So yeah, they got me in with the doctor, and the doctor was he was honest. He was like, look, like with this kind of injury, um, I would, I would, he said if it was in his eyes, um, it's an injury that can be a problem. But he said it's up to the club. You know, if the club wanna sign you, that they can go ahead and sign you. And yeah, the club they were like, fine. If the doctor, um isn't going to fail, fail you, we're going to sign you. So they signed me, you know, and that's how I ended up signing for, for Cambalewa. You know, it was just just like that. So this is where I'm filling in all the dots why when people see my career and like, oh, how's he ended up here? How's he ended up there? Like, yeah. it's weird. Like, you know, people don't know, you know, until they actually hear the story and understand. That's how, yeah, how crazy it was, just like that. You know, it, so that's how I ended up playing for Camber. It, it's from a Swindon fan perspective here. It, it's it's almost feels like it's like God, it's a miracle he made it to Swindon, let, <laughs> let, let alone everything else. Because even before Swindon, you were linked to a move to Hungary to one of the bigger hitters. Mm-hmm. I think Steve mm-hmm. McLaren wanted you at Twente, mm-hmm. and then and then what happened with Swindon was that we'd spent the summer trying to get Charlie Mulgrew in from Wolves. Yeah. And you arrive very, very late into the summer, very like late. days before, don't you? Yeah, literally. So, yeah, skipping quickly past um, um, Holland. So, 
in Holland again, um, started off well, was fantastic, um, was great. But then again, with the injury, like here and there, couldn't play some weeks, could play some weeks. And but, but every time I did play, performances were on point to the point, like you said, like um, Steve McLaren at 20, he was like, yeah, like I want to sign um, Cass. He's like, yeah, he actually said it. He came out and said that I want to sign Cass. It was in the newspapers and everything, you know. But um, um, again, with not playing, playing, not playing, the injury stuff, it just kind of was a thing where, like, uh, you can't really take that risk, you know. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, my brother said, oh, um, there's a club in England that want to wanna sign you. I was like, oh, which club? He was like, oh, Swindon Town. Like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, but is that what kind of move is that? Like, is that gonna be the right move for me? And at that time, being honest, um, because I hadn't um been home for a while and there was some stuff like going on at home as well, um, family um wise, um, I was like, you know what, like maybe this could be like a good move because I'm closer to home, if you know what I mean. You know, if they're, um, you know, willing or if there's not going to be any issue with, you know, the whole medical situation or whatever, then, yeah, let's see. And basically, um, the director of Cambaluadin was like, look, like, we don't want to sell you, but like these guys want to buy you, you know, and like they're looking for um, a left back right now. And. Like, um, it's very, very late, like, into into the summer. Like, the season's about to start. It was about a week before the season started. Like, but they, like, they they, they really need a left back. And like you said, um, they were, um, Swindon were trying to sign somebody else, but that didn't come through, you know? So um, it was like, okay, like, what's the next step? Like, oh, they want to they wanna bring you back to England. They want you to have, um, play one match. Like, just to play one match, just to see, like, your fit and whatever. I was like, okay, you know, um, let me go and see, you know. So literally within a couple of days, I was back to um, to London, straight down the M4 to Swindon. <laughs> and then I was playing a match, um, played that friendly match um, against, I think it was Cardiff. I think it was Cardiff. And yeah, absolutely smashed it. Got on with the, the guys, um, some quality guys in the changing room, you know. And it just felt, I don't know, it, was like a, it felt like I was coming home. Because having all those lads, you know, um, British lads, UK lads, that UK banter again, I was like, yeah, you know, it just, it felt good. And yeah, it just happened so, so quickly. And they're like, yeah, we want to sign you. I was like, whoa, like literally the week's about, um, the, the league's about to start next week. Um, my club in Holland, like I was meant to, I was in the starting lineup for that that first match coming up, everything just happened so quickly. The manager um, in Holland, Yuri Korhoff, he didn't want to sell me, but the directors at Canberra, they wanted to make money, so they wanted to sell me. You know, so it was just a, a strange situation. And I was like, I'm comfortable in Holland right now because even though like I'm having issues with my injury here and there, at the same time, like the manager loves me, I'm playing, you know, and I'm comfortable. Um, and you know, I don't want to go somewhere now where I could have um, issues again, you know, if I'm not playing or playing because of my injury, 
you know, but the directors of camera were like, look, like we, they want to make money, you know, so it all happened so quickly. Swindon bought me and I was a Swindon Town player. And yeah, coming to, to Swindon Town, like I said, it was like coming home and it just felt so warm. Like even Swindon itself, the town, um, I loved every moment being there because even though it's a small town, it's just, um, you have, it's, it's, a, it's a big feel to it. It's a small town, but there's still a big feel to it. And um, coming from London um, to um, a town like Swindon, um, a lot of people may think, oh, you know, like we find it difficult to, to live there or anything. But no, I absolutely love every moment living in Swindon. And the fans were absolutely fantastic. Like they have so much passion and they, they support the team. They support the team. But what I don't think a lot of Swindon Town fans got was all, all the time. I don't know how it is now, but when I was there, I don't think they always got um, a lot of um, clarity like from the owners or a lot of clarity from <laughs> where, where, <laughs> what was going on behind closed doors. You know, what was going think... on behind closed doors? <laughs> <laughs> See that there, that's... um. Maybe for another conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, it, it starts reasonably well for you in the sense that, you know, the season we, we beat Tramier, we have a great, great fun against QPR in the Cup where, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're way better than us. And we, we, we go in halftime 2-1 up um, and we lose 3-2. But it's, it's a good game because QPR have just got that money, haven't they? And they've just brought in a bunch mm-hmm. of players. And we lose away at Cheltenham. Don't worry about that. We always lose away at Cheltenham. And then, unfortunately, in a win against MK Dons, it all happens again, doesn't it? Yeah, it all happens again. It all happens again. Got to MK Dons. And again, I was like, yeah, I'm actually on a run now. Like, I'm at this new club. I'm loving the club. I'm feeling the vibe. And again, get to Stadium MK um, halfway through the first half. Um, I'm starting to feel um, my quads. I'm feeling my knee. Thinking, Jesus, you know, like again, again. So yeah, I, I literally couldn't make it through that first half. Um, had to come off. Um, physio looked at me. He was like, Yeah, like you're still having problems with your quad, and it's affecting your knee. Um, there's something up with your knee now that we need to go and check. So day after. Um, it took me for a scan and then, yeah, it turned out there was literally just like an issue underneath my patella. Um, like there was a little like tear like underneath my patella and that was causing the pain in my knee. And that obviously came because it was on the same leg as where my, um, my muscle tear was in my quad, which affected my knee. Yeah. You know, all of this is it's all interlinked. You know, and it was just like, ah, it's all come crashing down again. It's all come crashing down again, you know. So from that knee injury, had to have surgery again, which took me out for most of that season at Swindon. Um, During that period, um, Morris Malpass got um, fired, you know, and things changed, everything changed, and new players coming in, new manager coming in. Um, it just, yeah, it was just very, very awkward. And that seemed to be the theme of my, my career, you know, it, it's just injuries just basically sabotaged it. And 
what a lot of people don't understand and don't realize. Like, and I, I, I understand fans. At the end of the day, fans they they pay their hard earned money to come and watch teams play. You know, so they're allowed to to give their input because they they they, they give their heart to that club. You yeah. know, but, um, what they don't understand when when you see the likes of um, Kieran Dyer or uh, Jack Wiltshire and people like ah, oh, like they earn all the money in the world. They don't care. You know, they're always injured, but they don't care. But they don't. Re- these fans don't realize that we do care. We really, really do care. But there's nothing we can do about it. There's literally nothing we can do about it. Sometimes your body just doesn't let you do what you want to do. Yeah. You know, and it's the most. Um, it's it's the toughest place to be. It's really, really tough because you want to show the fans. You know what you can give. I knew what I can give. You know, the same way we all knew Kieran Dyer, Jack Wiltshire. We can see what they can do. You know, and I knew what I can give, but my body just wouldn't let me. And it's so frustrating. So when people look at uh, my career and they see, oh, this, why is there holes there? Like, why is he playing there, not playing there? They don't know. So until they're actually here, um, like you're here in Norwich, that's mm-hmm. when you start filling the dots together. You're like, okay, okay, this makes sense now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. From the Morris Malpass era, I've spoken to Jack Smith, Billy Painter, Jarrell Eiffel, Callum Kennedy, Michael Pook. Uh, who else have I talked talk to from that? Um, Phil Smith, Sean Morrison, yep. Craig Easton, Hansiel Joffrey. And none of them can really describe what the Morris Malpass era was like. Every time I ask, what was this era like? They were like, I can't remember, man. Um, and I, I don't know what happened during this era. I mean, they're, they're always like, it kind of just came and went. He was he, yeah. he was good, but it, it was quite dull. But but he, they weren't, they're very guarded when it comes to Morris Malpass. I don't know why, but are you the same? I think with um, Morris Malpass, uh, I, I still don't understand why they didn't give him more time. It happened very sudden. Yeah. You know, like he, yes, he, he was quite, you know, quite a dull man, bland. Like he, he here and there, he'll like give a little joke, you know, but he wasn't that type to, you know, you know, to be like jokey and whatever. But he, he knew what he wanted to, to do. He knew how he wanted to play, but he just didn't really have enough time to kind of implement that. You know, after things, you know, kind of went a, a little stale. I wouldn't yeah. say bleak, it just went a little stale. It was kind of like, okay, yeah, like he got to go. You know, um, he was gone. Like, so he like, literally came and went, you know, so, yeah. There, there was think... a bit of pressure for him, wasn't there? I mean, there, from the fan side of things, it it was it was sort of a, a meandering campaign. And then we had those two cup games, one against Histon, where we lost in November, and that was the game that everyone thought, well, that's it now. He's he's gone for that, mm. and then they kept him, and then they they fired him for 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 a Johnston's paint loss against <laughs> Brighton, which which seems weird looking back now. <laughs> like if you're gonna pull the trigger, surely it's the the loss against the non-league team. But um, they wait waited. Look, look at that, a Johnston's paint game against Brighton ages is all, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was. I think. You know, and I think you said it there because of his demeanor and his personality. It, it was never going to be a match with football fans, and 
you know, it wasn't that great. We were scoring goals. We had the potential. We had Simon Cox, for goodness sake. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was not a surprise for me. But he didn't have, like, Danny Wilson. He wasn't exactly, you know, happy, chappy sort of personality. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. trusted him. You yeah, trusted what he said. And that yeah. was the big difference. That was the big difference. That was the massive difference, you know. And, um, yeah, when, when he came in, when Danny Wilson came in, you can... You can kind of see, like, it was like, okay, like, I may not be, again, the most um, approachable. I may not be um, the jokester or, you know, banter with the team, but um, just follow me and we'll kind of, you know, we'll get to where we need to go. And that's one thing I, I definitely did respect about Danny Wilson because when he came in, I was injured at the time. Yeah. And um, he came and he spoke to me. He was like, look, uh, like, um, I've seen you play. So I think you're a quality player, but you have like a load of injury problems, you know? So um, I'm going to bring in, you know, another a left back. And um, yeah, like, hopefully when you do get fit enough, just fight for your place. He was like, cool, you know, I respect that, you know? So he, he brought in yeah, a load of his own players. You know, so a lot of the Malpass players kind of were phased out. Um, when I got back to fitness, um, it was one of those ones where, again, like, I would train. And then maybe the next day I couldn't train. It was just on and off. But he can see, like, Danny Wilson, he could, he could actually see that I was trying. He could see I was trying. He He respected that. And he was like, you know what? Like we're we're gonna get to the point now where um we'll make let's let's make a decision. He said, let's make a decision together where if you feel like you can still like fight for a place here and get yourself to um a fitness level where you know you can play every week in, week out, then you will definitely um configure in my my team. He said, No doubt. He said you'll configure in my team. If you can get yourself to a fitness level you will configure in my team. But if you can't, then we need to get to like some sort of resolution there because uh, he said, I can't have somebody in my squad that is, you know, is 50-50. Yeah. You know, and again, like I said, I respected his, um, his, his bluntness, you know, and with someone like that, he knows what he wants. And the fact that he was like, yeah, I want you in my squad, but if you're not fit, then, you know, there's nothing I can do. I was like, you know what, fair enough. And again, it got to it got to a point where um, he was still bringing in more of his own players. So yeah, we came to a, a mutual agreement. Like yeah, it's best to just you know like cut the contract there so I can move on because yeah, fitness it just it just wasn't happening. I couldn't get myself to that to that peak fitness. And um, it was one of those ones again. But once I left Swindon. I was like, yeah, I just want to chill. Like, I didn't really want to play. I just wanted to chill. (laughs) The Romanian champions is your way of getting a chill contract. (laughs) Honestly, Rich, I just wanted to chill. You know, I was like, this is, yes, it's too much now, you know. And it's been the same story over and over again. It's not going to change. Let me just chill. (laughs) (laughs) For a good maybe two months, just chilling, you know, relaxing. But when I say chilling and relaxing, obviously I'm still training, but I'm not 
playing football yeah, for of course yeah. you know and yeah lo and behold um my brother gets a call from the Romanian champions in the Champions League like oh yeah we heard um your brother is a free agent like we we want to bring him to um to Romania so my brother tells me I'm like what <laughs> he's a hell of an editor yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like what you're 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 joking like you're kidding me he's like no I'm serious I was like, yeah, they, they want to bring you over ASAP. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, you're having me on. Whatever. So he's like, okay, wait there. About 10 minutes later, the sporting director calls me. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, my name's blah, blah, blah. I'm from um, CFR Cluj. Um, we want to get you to Romania, like ASAP. And we want you to sign for CFR Cluj. Um, if you're, you're fit enough, um, let's get you over here. And I said to him, like, straight up, I said, look, like, I'm kind of tired of the runaround, you know, because I know my body's not up to it. Um, I don't want to waste my time coming over there and not being able to play because it's starting to get frustrating now because I know what I can do, but my body's not letting me do it. You know, so I don't want to come over there and it be the same situation again. And if I tell you, Rich, like this guy that I spoke to, like he should be the bloody spokesman for... <laughs> I don't know, for a spokesman or car salesman, because the, the speech he gave me was unreal on the phone. It was like, look, like, don't give up. Like, if you have a Champions League club, like, willing to bring you over, just take the opportunity. You know, like, we're going to book your ticket tomorrow. Just get on a plane and let's make this happen. It was like, Jesus, you know, all right, let's, let, let's do it. So, yeah, literally the next day I was, I was on a flight to, to Romania, um, they, they're like, yeah, do a session with the team. Let's see how you get on. Done a session with the team. It's completely fine. Um, they're like, okay, tomorrow um, we got like a little um, friendly match, played a friendly match, whatever. The next day, played the friendly match. It was, again, completely fine, smooth, no issues. They're like, yeah. Like let's let's get it done. We wanna sign you. So <laughs> the difference um uh, between obviously some parts of um you know Eastern Europe, it's um very, you know, they can make things happen that shouldn't really happen, if you know what I mean. And um in regards to um the medical at that point, you know, with my quad injury, with my knee injury, there's no way, no way. Like I should have been able to sign, you know, especially at that point, you know, because I was still rebuilding. But yeah, they can make things happen. So um, they kind of were like, yep, yeah, we're going to sign you. I was like, no medical? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> exactly. Where do I sign? I was like, okay, cool. You know, and um, yeah, I literally signed for them. And it was crazy. I've gone from literally just chilling at home in London to all of a sudden I'm going to be playing a Champions League qualifier in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. It's surreal. And that's football for you. And that's one thing I always say to anybody, like all the youngsters that um, that talk to me about football or that somebody, when I coach sometimes, some of the youngsters that I coach, I say to them, look, anything can happen at any time. You know, just keep going because you never know. You actually never know. You know, so yeah, um, we're about 
two weeks um, away from our qualifier, um, the Champions League qualifier. Um, it was two legs, which would get us into the um, to the group stages. Um, literally the the week before, um, we played um, one friendly match, which was yeah a breeze again, absolutely smashed it. And I'm there um, with the teammates. I'm starting to feel it again. I'm like, yep, this is the one now. This is the one. I'm actually feeling it. This is this is actually going going well. And then yeah, a couple of days before. Um, that Champions League qualifier match, again, started feeling pain in my knee, in my quad. And it's just the same thing again. And yeah, it's, it, it was demoralizing. It was demoralizing. And it was to a point where um, during the training session, I, I actually had to pull out because of the pain. Yeah. I had to pull out, you know. And the coach looked at me, um, he was an Italian coach at the time, top, top bloke, top bloke, you know. And he really, really liked me, you know. And yeah, I had to pull out of the session. And he came and he, he had his translator because he couldn't speak English. He had his translator and he just asked me, he said, look, like, is it the same injury as before? And I said, yeah. And he, the look on his face, like, ah, you know, he just, he took pity. He was like, you know, like, he had me in a starting lineup ready to play this match, you know, but what can you do? Yeah. So, um, yeah, from there, uh, I had to sit out for a couple of weeks. During those couple of weeks, Rich, if I tell you what happened, you wouldn't believe it, honestly, mate. Um, Try me. <laughs> this, uh, they had one guy who basically deals with um, all the contracts and stuff. And um, again, like I said, at this time, um, I had, uh, I had, I wouldn't say I had an agent because he didn't really do anything. You know, but I was basically signed to, to somebody, but he literally did nothing. Basically, my brother was doing everything, literally. You know, it was a joke. So, um, yeah, because I, I sat out for a couple of weeks and the injuries weren't getting any better, um, the two legs went past. Um, we qualified to get into the to the group stages. And I was like, Ugh, I need to get better. I need to get fit. I need to get fit. But still, the leg it just wasn't getting any better. Um, this guy that obviously deals with all the contracts was like, oh, um, I need to have a um, a talk with you. I come to the office. So he brought me to the office now and he had a contract that was all in Romanian. He was like, oh, um, yeah, basically, um, we just need you to sign this contract that I basically say, um, like, if you're not fit by a certain part of the season, then we can cancel your contract. And I was like, nope, I'm not signing anything. Like, give me something in English and wait till my agent comes over. And it's like, oh, okay, fine, no problem. Two um, days later, um, or literally after that meeting, I called my agent. And I was like, look, you need to get over here. He was like, ah, oh, um, I'm, I'm somewhere else at the moment. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get there in time. I can get there by next week. I was like, really? Like, okay, you know what? No problem. Just make sure you're here next week. I'm not going to sign anything until you get here. Within a couple of days' time, um, all of a sudden, that same guy um, that deals with contracts, uh, he brings me into the office and he's like, oh, um, yeah, I just want to say, like, it's been um, a pleasure having you at the club, but, yeah, we're going to have to part ways. 
Um, all the contract stuff has been sorted and whatever. I was like, huh? What? what are you talking about? It's been sorted. I haven't signed anything. He's like, oh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's done. Like it's done. And I said, what's wow. done? He's like, yeah, like the contracts have been sorted. Like um, it's already been processed. It's gone to the Romanian FA. Um, we're going to send you on loan to um, another Romanian club in the Premier League um, called Gazmatan. Um, you're going to um, stay stay with them for half the season. And then when you come back, um, we'll review and see like if you're fit enough to play. I was like, what? Heck no. So I haven't signed anything. I haven't touched anything. So I literally, I said, look, I'm going back to uh, my hotel. And I wait there. Um, I ain't going anywhere. I'm not moving anywhere. Like, I signed a contract. You guys still haven't paid me for my first um, two months here. And at this period, they hadn't paid anybody at the club at the moment, um, at that time. And this is a Champions League club, by the way. All the players, like, they were, it was a, it was crazy. It was literally a, a jungle, which, like, the players, they'll be going to the office every day, like, arguing with the, with the board and stuff like that. But still on the pitch, they were still getting their job done. They got them through into the group stages, you know. Um, so, yeah, none of us have been paid for two months. And then I had obviously my own separate issue with them saying that the whole contract had been done and whatever. And I was like, I haven't signed anything. So, yeah, um, eventually um, I, I told my brother to, to come out. My brother um, flew out um, and he called that the guy that deals with the contract. He was like, I need to come and see you. So me, me and my brother, we went out to go and see him. He was like, look, like this is the situation now. You can see like... None of the other players have been paid at the moment either. Um, we probably won't have everyone paid till the month after next. Um, but in regards to you, like, um, like it's up to you what you want to do. Um, but um, from our side, we want to send you to Gazmatan. And um, yeah, at the end of the season, we can see. I was like, nah, nah it's not going to run like that. Like this, It doesn't work like that. I've signed yeah. a four-year contract with you guys, you know, and... Until, like, I actually signed something myself, I'm not going anywhere. And then it started getting very, very tetchy, as in, like, they, um, they, they started doing, like, little things, as in, like, when I would come in um, to, the, to the stadium, obviously I had my own locker and stuff, like, they took my, um, my number down, my name down from the locker and whatever, like, it just get, it started getting really petty, really silly. So uh, I just said to my brother, I was like, look, like, I don't need to be here for this. Like, I, I don't need to be here for this at all. At the end of the day, I signed a contract. Like, they owe me a load of money. They're going to pay me that money. You know, I'm not going to be in a country that, to be honest, like, I don't really want to live. Um, I came here for the Champions League football, you know, but it hasn't worked out that way. So, yeah, like, let me go home and let me speak with my lawyers and just get my money back like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's how they all ended with Cluj. Just like that. Just like that. Crazy. Um, and things are winding down now here for you. I mean, you have a spell with Vassas at, in Hungary. Again, you only play a few games, but mo- majority of them, you you play the full 90 minutes and then you, yeah. you go to Bulgaria and Italy. You only play two games, but again, they're 90 minutes. And then yeah. and then we go through through that cycle, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, it's one of those ones where... Um, after Cluj, um, 
again, I was like, this is long. I don't really want to play anymore. But these clubs came and like, look, just come and play with us. Even with your injury, like if you any any games you can play, just come and play. You know, and again, like it's testament, you know, and it, it shows that because these are these are Premier League clubs, they're yeah. all Premier League clubs, you know. Um, Bashas, um, they just the the um the year before I went there, they were in the Europa League. Um, the club in Bulgaria, um, that team the year before they were in the Europa League. You know, these are top clubs, you know, and they recognize they're like, yeah, this is a top player, but you know, he has injury issues, but they're still like, look, just come. Like when you can play, play. If you can't play, you can't play. And that's just how it was, you know. So that's where the clubs that I did go to, um, you can see like it's just uh one game here, one game there, 90 minutes here, like it's just it's all over the place and it's all because of injuries, you know. So with the Bulgaria team, um after those couple of games, um again, like I they wanted me to stay. They're like, look, continue playing, but I was having so much pain in my leg. I was like, you know what? I made the decision that look, this enough's enough, you know. And I spoke with um, the sporting director and the coach, um, really good people. And they're like, look, like just stay. Like we're telling you that like, you can play. Like play as you go. Like if you're not feeling it, you don't have to play. But when you can play, play. Because when you do play, you help the team. I was like, look, like I've been through way too much now, and I've got to the point now where I know like it's my it's time for me to hang up my boots. You know, and I took that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and from there, yeah. <laughs> well, at this point in many, many footballers' career is that's it. The end, the full stop is here and they go into coaching or, you know, if they're lucky, or they look for careers outside of football. And mm-hmm. what happens now, and this is a 10-year process in its own right, the journey to Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah yeah i never yeah, thought yeah. i got to say that in a in, in a in a swindon town related podcast but yeah <laughs> here we go yes yeah so yeah like you said um normally when um when we retire and footballers retire um the go-to is coaching managing whatever you know and the first thing i done was when i got my coaching badges you know so put my ua for b um and right now, as we speak, like I'm still like currently getting my UA for A. I could have got my UA for A years ago, but because obviously I went into this film and TV direction, that's just taking up so much time. So yeah, literally after I finished my um, UA for B, um, one person that I I knew like very well, like who who works in like the film and TV industry, um, she she was always like, oh, like maybe you should get into, you know, like, I don't know, film and TV. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's completely different worlds. She's like, nah, you know, you, you never know. You know, maybe acting, you know, because you're a sportsman, blah, blah, blah. I was like, ah, you know what? I don't know. If that opportunity comes, it comes. And lo and behold, um, a couple of years later, um, this strange comedic football show um <laughs> like being materialized and they all came from um just a, a spoof that jason sadikis um done you know like it was all literally just a spoof it was a joke it wasn't meant to be anything serious and yeah they just started talking about making it an actual series 
And then, yeah, so my mate, um, Sophie, she calls me. She's like, oh, um, you know that spoof that, um, that Jason Sudeikis done when he's um, a football coach? I was like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. He's like, yeah, they're actually making it a show. I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> She's like, yeah. He's like, it's actually serious. Like, there's going to be a team and you know, they're going to be in the Premier League and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I said to her a couple of times, like, you're pulling my leg, aren't you? She's like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> and she was like, look, like, they need somebody that is going to um, direct the football because obviously they have no clue about football. You know, they're fantastic in what they do. Like, they're writing, they're acting, directing. Like, they're the best of the best. But when it comes to actual football, they need somebody to actually direct the football scenes and actually, like, coordinate and help them through that. I was like, look, like, as long as I don't need to do any acting, <laughs> then I'm all for it. So, like, oh, look, just come down to the studio, like, meet with um, Jason, meet with the production team. And take it from there. I was like, cool. So I went down to West London Film Studios where all the filming's done. And um, yeah, I met with Jason and Brendan Hunt. Um, top, top, top guys, honestly. You wouldn't well, find. Yeah, Brendan is a big football fan, isn't, isn't massive he? Massive football fan. Massive mm. football fan. You know, and these are people, you know, who from the outside, people may think, oh, they're such huge stars. Like, um, maybe they won't be so grounded, but I tell you, like, Jason Sadikas, Brendan Hunt, like, these are people that, honestly, they're, they're so humble, it's actually scary. You know, they're just so relaxed, so chilled. They know what they're doing. They know the vision. They, they knew what they wanted to do from season one. Yeah. Even though it was something that could have went horribly wrong, they're like, look, this is what we're looking to do. We know it's going to be a success. Like, just stick with us and let's make this happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I've been a huge fan of Sadikis since he was on Saturday Night Live. So yeah. um, to have this podcast now have a link with Sadikis in, in conversation is very, very funny. But it, it must be quite demanding because one of the worst things about football in film and on television is that when you watch the football, it's rubbish, isn't it? And to, to get to the standard where they want you to get the audience. I mean, nobody's watching these games go, ah, he looks quite useful. He's a Premier League player, you know, what have you. But to to make actors who aren't footballers look like footballers can't be easy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not, it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all, you know. And um, the, the funny thing about it is originally, um, like I said, when I first met with them and they spoke to me about it, and I was like, okay, um, this this will be tough. I, I knew it would be tough. Um, but what ended up happening is there's a company called um, Sports on Screen, you know, and they, they're usually the ones that over the last, say, maybe 20, 30 years, they've been doing, like, anything to do with football in film and TV, all the commercials, whether it be Nike, Adidas, whatever, they've been doing most of it, you know, like mm. they've been doing most of it. So um, Apple TV or like, you know what, um, let's go with the people um, that have been doing it for all this time because we're a new show. Um, let's go with people that are tried and tested with the whole football situation, you know? So yeah, 
Um, after having that initial co- um, chat with them, Apple TV, were like, Apple TV were like, you know what, let's just go with them. So for season one, what a lot of people don't know, um, for the football itself, I didn't direct that. I didn't choreograph that. I didn't do any of season one. You know, so for me, I looked at it and I watched it and <laughs> I don't want to say too much about it, but <laughs> I, 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 knew, I, knew, I knew what was going to come. I knew exactly what was going to come mm-hmm. after watching it. I was like, okay, I've seen it now. I know it's going to come. And exactly what I thought was going to come is exactly what happened. Literally, when they're like, yep, um, so many fans have taken to it. It's going to be a season two. Um, the budget's even bigger. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a couple of days. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. After a couple of days, I got a phone call. And they're like, yep, guess we want you to come in and take over the football season two. And that's exactly what happened. I came in, came into the studio, um, saw Jason and Benjamin again. And they're like, yep, like, this is your time. Like, do what you need to do. And from there, um, I changed a lot of things around. First and foremost, um, I brought in my own players. So obviously the Richmond team, they play against a load of different teams in the show. Yeah. So um, I brought in my own players. So guys that I've either played with, um, guys that I've played against, um, guys that I've coached, you know, um, I brought them in to be the other players. So I knew them personally. I know they can all play football to a high level. You know, that'll bring the standard up of the football, you know. And then what I also did was um, bring in um, a different type of method. So with the actors themselves, um, I'll do one-on-one training sessions with them. You know, so whenever, say, um, Phil, Jamie Tart, he had a certain scene that he needed to do, I'll make sure I take Phil for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through that scene, practice the techniques, practice the moves, practice the drills. Um, same whether it be um, um, Tahib, um, Sam Obasanya. I'll take um, Tahib and I'll be like, okay, this is what you need to do. Let's train um, for a couple of days to make sure like they, they get into the rhythm of it. But at the end of the day, like these guys, like they're, they're quality, quality lads. Like they, they, they want to make sure they look the best on screen as possible. You know, so um, they were willing to put in that time. They were always willing to put in, put in that time. A, a, a same as um, um, Christo as well, Danny Rojas. Like anytime he had a scene, I say, Christo, come on, let's go and train. You know, and that's how we we kind of configured it, along with all the rest of the lads. You know, we configured it like that to make sure that we we made we picked up the football, made it look much better. You know, and yeah, from season two, that's how it all took off. You know, it's, it's got a little bit crazy, hasn't it? I mean, they were in the White House a month or so ago, weren't they? Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um in America, honestly, Rich, in America the show is it's the number one show in America. Wow. It's um it's absolutely it's nuts over there. They are Ted Lasso nuts over there. They're absolutely they're obsessed with Ted Lasso, you know. So over here, because not a lot of people have Apple TV, you know, but it's starting to it's starting to grow. Mm. Um little by little you can see it's starting to grow, you know. But in America it's literally the number one show, you know, and people just absolutely love it. Like I can't speak highly enough of the cast. Um, they're just amazing people. And I think the reason why the show has done so well is because of how harmonious everybody was together on set. Um, everybody's just so humble, you know, from top to bottom, different apartments. Um, 
Hannah, like Hannah Waddingham, Juno Temple, like they'll always come, like say hello to people, hug people. They just you can talk to them, like they're just normal people. That everyone was a big family, you know. Everyone's just a massive, massive family, you know. And that that's what makes the show so special. Like what you see, like the warmth in the show, that like, that brings everybody together, that brings the viewers together. That's how it was on set in the studio. Like it was just so harmonious, and that's why the sh- the show is is getting the success that it is. It is, and it's well deserved. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, but NBC are kicking themselves that their characters <laughs> went elsewhere, didn't they? But <laughs> yeah. oh, what what a what a journey we've been on over the last couple of hours, Cass. That was that was absolutely incredible, and from those sort of small humble beginnings all the way to. Well, shall we call it Hollywood? Let's call it Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> um, that was amazing. Uh, Cass, thank you so much. No worries, no worries at all, Rich. Honestly, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, um, like I said to you at the beginning, um, it's always important, um, especially for the for the fans to 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 know like the ins and outs and what, what goes on behind closed doors in football because they don't really always get the chance to um, to have that luxury of knowing like what's going on behind closed doors and fans deserve that, you know, because mm. they need to know and it's important for them to know. So for me to, um, to give that to some fans, um, for me, that's, um, yeah, it's a pleasure for me. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.